Pastor Michelle up to our platform. It's a value in our church. You see words that we have on our walls, the love, grow, serve, reach, and you're familiar with them. They're inside, they're outside, and that's because they represent values of our congregation and our church. Reach is a part of that, and by reach, we are talking about sharing the gospel of Christ with people who don't know Jesus and help them to know about the Lord. We have a program in our church where uh, our children from the community are coming in to uh, what is known as Awana. And uh, I'm so grateful the, the loudest claps came from the hardest workers in that program. <laughs> I was so grateful uh, for uh, the willingness of our volunteers to come and to share Christ. And I asked Pastor Michelle to come. She was celebrating and sharing some things with me and with in actually with our church. And I said, look, I think this needs, we just need to take a minute and talk about this. So I want you to hear what Pastor Michelle sensed from God and the simple thing that she did. And I want you to consider how God can use you in the lives of people. Pastor Michelle. I would honestly say that it probably started off in the beginning of this year um, that God challenged me to pray. I know that sounds simple, um, but put, pray specifically of who God wants me to share his truth with and more be more intentional about it. And knowing that we have kids coming in from our community on a Wednesday night, I don't know where they are. I don't know what their home life is. I don't know if they know anything more than what they're seeing and reading in our scripture verses and hearing in lessons. And I don't know what that personal relationship is. And so I asked God to show me what kid I needed to talk to on a Wednesday night. And so two weeks ago, um, God told me to go talk to Liana. And she was struggling with her verses. And it was what she was struggling with is she didn't understand what they said. She didn't understand what they meant. And so she was actually working on Romans 3.23 and 6.23, which are... Verses that are common to us, but for kids, they don't understand what that means. What does it mean for the wages of sin is death? What does that mean? And so I just took the opportunity and took the time to just explain that to her, what that meant. But bigger than that, we went into then John 3.16, simple verse for all of us that she knew, but she didn't really get it. And so we just explained that verse, and she was able to explain back to me what it meant. And then I just asked the simple question is, do you trust Jesus? And she said, I want to. And we just took the opportunity to pray, and she accepted Amen. Jesus last Wednesday. Then this past Wednesday, just the Wednesday that just passed, um, there was a little boy in TNT who was in one of the um, booths, and he was covered with his coat doing his verses, which I kind of thought was a little odd. And so I just asked if he was okay, and he was, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, okay. And so I just kind of like stayed around him. It was, again, a God thing that just said, just stay around him. And so I did, and it was only a few minutes later that he turned back, and he said, I need help. And he was looking at John fourteen six, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I don't understand what that means. And so we sat down, and again, I went to Romans, and I explained the Romans, and I explained John three sixteen, but then specifically went to that verse to help him understand what that meant. And again, asked him the simple question, do you trust Jesus? And he said, now I do. 
And he asked if we could pray so he could pray and trust Jesus. And he did. And again, both of these kids, after we prayed, had a glow on their faces that was so different than when they came in the doors. And it was just, it was just an opportunity that God gave me. But the thing is, we have to be obedient to follow it. And so it wasn't just that the opportunity was there, but that God showed me and said, this is it. Do it now. And so that's why we have two candles lit this week for Liana and Charles. Thank you, Pastor Michelle, for sharing that with us today. Um, I think it's worth our time to uh, reflect and to praise God together when um, people come to the Lord. So Liana and is it Charles? Charles, we want to pray for these uh, two children who come for our, from our community just for Awana. So thank God uh, for this uh, testimony. I want to just say this very quickly and I'll move on. Sometimes you have to use your words. Sometimes you actually have to speak the truth into people's lives. And I know a lot of us like the, the model we, because it's more comfortable. I'll, I'll, I'll do friendship evangelism. And, and what a lot of us think is I'll just live my life in such a way that people will be attracted through that. But sometimes you have to use your words. And sometimes the Spirit will put you into somebody's life and you have a chance to explain one verse and it could change eternity for someone. I was 10 when I came to Christ, when I began to understand my need of Him. So let me tell you, it works. And so be be open to what God wants you to do. As a congregation, it is a value of ours. We want to be a church that reaches and to tell people who don't know Jesus about them. So pray about your role in that. On September 22nd, 2017, USA Today published an article and they called it A Dozen Ways Life on Earth Could End. Isn't that a cheerful article, right? A dozen ways. And as you can guess, the article begins with an assertion that the earth and all human life on it will one day come to a complete end. That's what the the article says. And they're thinking it's going to be one of these 12 ways. To them, it's going to happen. According to the article, it might be a billion years from now, but one of these things is going to occur to the world. And I just, as I read through the article, I thought it'd be interesting just to summarize what they said. They they talked about one of the possibilities is a nuclear war. If, if a, a war broke out into a massive nuclear war on our planet, uh, the, the, the article says a, a horrifying number of people would die in the blast and then the resulting radiation. But some could trigger this. Some say it could trigger a nuclear winter that would finish off the survivors. Isn't that a cheerful thought? A giant asteroid was another possibility that they named. And the, it is said that there is a one in 100 million uh, chance that a giant asteroid would do that to us. But if it did, they said it would destroy us. Uh, surprisingly enough, they said climate change, rising sea levels, extreme weather events, and low, uh, that would lower food production could lead to the deaths of, of all of us eventually, it says. Some scientists fear <coughs> that the impact would Im- upend the ecosystems and make the planet uninhabitable. Overpopulation is one of the possibilities. They say too many people, not enough space. A black hole. 
They talked about a black hole, and it, and in the article it says, if a black hole is going to swallow up the earth, we would see it coming decades before it would get to us, or maybe even centuries, and there would be, not be one thing we could do to save ourselves. A supernova. Uh, supernova, if a nearby star exploded and went supernova, it would bombard the earth with x-ray and gamma radiation, and that would kill the people, they say. <clears throat> a global pandemic would be diseases like the bubonic plague and and um, smallpox and, and flu. Pardon me. Sorry. <coughs> uh, that would spark epidemics and kill us off. Maybe some new new type of virus. Biological weapons. They say that that's a possibility. Somebody's going to unleash some terrible biological horrific weapon. I love that this is on this list. Aliens. So that's a scenario where an advanced civilization destroys the planet, okay? Another one they mentioned was robots, uh, the, the, that whole Terminator thing, if you've ever heard of that. But there are some, uh, such as Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk and Bill Gates, who have concerns that the machines will take over and eliminate us someday. A super volcano uh, like nuclear winnow, a winter from an asteroid impact, a gigantic volcano eruption could spew enough stuff into the air, according to the article, that it would block out the sun and we would eventually die. And then the last one on the list is the sun itself. And I quote, and this is the quote, even if we dodge all of the above scenarios, one day in four or five billion years, our sun will run out of fuel. Can I let you in on something? There's a book in the Bible that is dedicated to, dedicated to revealing the last age of humanity of this planet. In fact, it's the last book in the Bible. It is the book of Revelation. The very first verse of the book tells us that this is a revelation of none other than Jesus Christ himself. So... We'll be looking at this in a minute, but these are words that were given to us by the one who died for our sins. And he is faithful and he is truthful in what he says. We don't have to speculate about how the world will end. It has been revealed to us in the book of Revelation. And none of the scenarios that I mentioned to you, the sun is not going to run out of fuel. Uh, and swallow us up. That's not going to happen because the Bible has already told us what will happen. In complete dependence of the Holy Spirit, God helping me, I will be preaching a series to you that I have labeled The Last Age. Please let me make clear to you that this series is a series of sermons and not a comprehensive Bible study. You're not going to walk away from this series of sermons on the book of Revelation. You're not going to be an expert on everything that it says, on on end times, on all the symbolism that's in there, and eschatology as a result of listening to this sermon series. My prayer is, and what my goal is, is to help us all gain some insight into the last age and how we should be living our lives as it approaches. It is coming. So my focus is to inform you and to inspire you to place your hope, to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the author of this book, his revelation, and to live in a perpetual state of readiness for events that will take place on our planet.
I urge you to bring your Bible for this series if you would like. And you may even want to find a way to uh, take some notes if that's what you would like to do. We try to leave some room in the bulletin for you for that. This is important, holy information that any person will want to have in the last age. We're starting today where the book starts again with Jesus Christ. So if you will, open the word of God to Revelation, the last book in your Bible, chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. It reads as follows. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the providence of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who have pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Powerful words, just starting this book out. And I wanted to just kind of get our series started on on a, a foundation. Uh, and so I'm going to lay out a few things for us to carry into the weeks to come in our study of the book of Revelation. I want to mention to you that this Jesus that is giving this revelation, this Jesus is the same Jesus, but it's not the same manifestation of Jesus that we see in the book of Revelation that we will, that we have read about in the gospels. Make no mistake about it. It is still him. It is the Jesus who became a human being, was born of the Virgin Mary and purposely uh, took on the weakness of human humanity with its limitations. He lived as a man here on earth and he died as a human being by choice. And this is the same Jesus who was crucified for our sins, who appears in the book of Revelation. This revelation comes from the one who came to this world and, and that manifestation of who he is was in human form. That is the manifestation of Jesus we read about in the gospel. It's the way that God chose to reveal himself to humanity. And once again, I want to remind you that Jesus existed long before he became a human being. He is the one who was and who is and who will always be. He is that one. He is the eternal one. And we 
what we read about in the Gospels is how Jesus made himself known in order to save people. He came as a human to save human beings. He did that, and when he came, he was a savior. And he came in the form of a servant. And he he uh, uh, submitted to the obedience, uh, to obey his father, even to the point of dying for us. In the Gospels, we see the manifestation of Jesus Christ as the God-man. But he wasn't just a human being. And the Jesus that we read about in Revelation is the same Jesus just manifested in his glorified, powerful, Lord of Lords, King of Kings form. This is who he always was. But no longer does he come to us in the frailty of humanity. He comes as he is. He comes as the one who said, let there be light. And light was formed from the power of his words. So I I want us to understand that this revelation doesn't just come from an angel. This revelation doesn't come just from another prophet or a preacher. This comes from the very Son of God. And so what he says is the word. And his words are all powerful. His words have weight. You've heard me talk about this many times. My words don't have very much weight. I say things should happen and they don't always happen. And, I, you know, I've joked around and said I could take this chair and pull it out here and say to the chair, chair, you have legs. Walk. Well, I can believe all I want to that a chair is going to walk for me, but I don't have living words. Jesus does. And out of nothingness, he created all that there is. And so please remember that when you are looking at this book, this revelation is, is coming from Jesus Christ. Let's look at Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. I love these. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. That's John speaking. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Tyra, sorry, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. His appearance here is different. His voice thunders. It sounds like a rushing, a, a, a many rushing waters in this. And so the prophet Isaiah had prophesied that in his human form, Jesus' appearance didn't draw people to himself. There was nothing about his appearance to draw people. But in the book of Revelation, his appearance is glorious. His appearance is awe-inspiring. John, his one-time close friend on earth, turned to see what it was, uh, that voice that was speaking to him. And at the sight of Jesus, at the sight of his glorious appearance, John fell face down to the ground as if dead. Let's look at verses 12 through 16. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash round his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool as white as snow and his eyes were like blazing fire his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters in his right hand he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth a uh, a sharp double-edged sword his face was like the sun shining in all of his brilliance. His role is different here in the book of Revelation. And we're going to see that he does very different things than he did when he walked on the earth and he ministered to the people. His role is different. His appearance is different. This is Jesus in his glorified state. This is Jesus as he has been throughout the ages. My point is this. 
This is the same Jesus that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the same one. But this time, we're catching, catching more than a glimpse of his glory and his power. This is the Almighty One. This is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the all-powerful God of the universe. So it's not the same manifestation. When we encounter Jesus in the book of Revelation, you're going to see this powerful Savior who has rescued us from our sins. It's not the same age. Verse 1 refers to what must soon take place. Brace yourself. Because most of the setting of the book of Revelation is in the last age. Most Bible scholars hold that there were seven dispensations. Fancy word for seven ages for the human race. And the age that we have been living in, that in my lifetime, we have been living in all of your lifetimes, is known as the age of grace. Where God's beautiful mercy where his great grace is freely offered to whosoever will. It's one of my favorite words of the age, whosoever will. He says to whoever wants to come to him, if they will come to him, he would freely give the water of life. He said, come to me, all who are thirsty, and I'll give you something to drink. And so we are in that age. We live in the age of grace. There are other dispensations. If you want to study them, I don't mind that at all. I'm not going to mention them for the sake of this message. But let me say to you that we are in the next to the last age. We're not going to remain in the age that we're in. That's going to change one day. One day, the age of grace goes away, and then we enter into eventually the age of eternity, the age of God's, of Christ's rule, and then the age of eternity. And so, we're thankful that today we live in such a great age where God's grace is here, right after the cross, right after the resurrection, that, that, that introduced the age of grace for humanity. And we've all had the opportunity, so many opportunities to know who he is. The last age will ultimately usher in very troubling and very difficult times on the earth. We're going to learn about the rise and fall of leaders and governments. We're going to see miraculous signs and wonders that are frightening. Massive deception. Economic chaos, spiritual warfare and spiritual war, devastating judgments from God and plagues from God and much, much more. My point is this. Things on earth aren't always going to be the way they are today. And the Bible says soon. The Bible tells us and Revelation tells us through the revelation of Jesus Christ, we are told that things are going to start taking place that will, that will be a big paradigm uh, shift in our world. And that's about to happen. The age of grace will wind down. And then the age of Christ's rule will take over. And then there will be the age of eternity. And we're there. I told you earlier that this series will contain important holy information for us. And I urge you throughout this series to listen carefully to it and then decide how you're going to respond. I'm not going to attempt to scare any people into the kingdom of God. Okay, I don't need to. I'm not going to try to, to um, sensationalize the, the, the things that are mentioned here in the Bible. What I will do is give you the truth, God helping me. 
biblically accurate truth that we need to say. So my prayer is that we will all respond well to it. My heart is to help you know what is ahead. That said, the last age, the age to come, will bring a massive shift to this world. And things are not going to be just the way they are going. And the world is in for a big change. We've reached a point in medical science where uh, there are at least some who believe that um, they can extend life almost indefinitely. And there are some who believe they're, they're researching a way to regenerate cells and that kind of thing and keep people in a perpetual state of youth. I want to tell you it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The world is not going to stay the same. There will be some changes. This age is going to go away, and things as we know it are going to go away. It's, it would be foolish for us to expect that the world will continue going just the way it is going. It's not going to happen according to the word of God, and we'll see that. And it's not the same ending that so many people have um, given to us. It's none of those doomsday endings that I read to you or or showed you on the, the screen. None of them are going to bring a total end to the earth. The Bible tells us what is going to happen. Folks, the first time that Jesus came to the world and he lived among us, he was crucified and he suffered enormously. He died and he was buried and he resurrected. He was resurrected and then he left the world in the incredible age of grace. But a Bible tells us even in the very beginning of the book of Revelation, he's coming back with the clouds of the sky and the world won't be the same once he comes back. Things are about to change and the ending, I'll tell you who decides how it ends. It's not you. It's not me. It's not a government. It's not anywhere in the world. God, the creator of this world, decides how and when it ends. He is all-powerful, and he will bring the, the, the events into place. What we're going to see in the last age are acts of God. We're going to see the move of God, the hand of God, the power of God, the judgment of God. We'll see those things. And may I just throw this out there? You'll hear a lot more about this. Praise God, still mercy. Still mercy is extended. God is a loving, gracious God. So still mercy and still grace in that regard. God will strengthen uh, Christians to bear up under the attacks that are about to happen. As I said, the age is going to change some things. And part of it will be how we as Christians uh, spend our days. It will be different. And so I'm just pointing that out. When Jesus comes back, nobody is going to mistreat him. No one is going to put him on trial. No one is going to hang him on a cross. No one is going to speak back to him. In fact, Jesus will fulfill the old prophecy from Isaiah that says the government is going to be on his shoulders. And there is a day that is just ahead when Jesus will rule this world. And the government will be upon his shoulders. He will rule with power and absolute authority. And whatever it is that he says will happen, it is he who would determine it, not other people, not, not Satan himself. When Satan and his followers make their last stand, and we'll look at this at an event, at a battle called Armageddon, Jesus will with ease destroy them and dispatch them. 
because he is all-powerful. And Satan and all of his forces and the gates of hell cannot prevail against God's people and most importantly against our Savior. And I praise the Lord. And why am I saying this? It's because it blesses me to know that I serve the God who has decided the end already. He knows what's going to happen. He's in control of it. So one of the greatest things that I know is to be able to put my faith and my trust in the Savior. He will care for us, church. He will take care of the church. He loves us today. Thank God he is the Savior who ultimately reigns. The present earth and the present heavens are going to melt away with a fervent heat. Don't get used to this world and don't fall too much in love with it if you're a Christian. Because it's going bye-bye. There'll be a brand new earth and a brand new heaven. And we'll get to be with the Lord throughout eternity at the very end. When it all ends, it ends with our Savior. It all ends with a victorious King of Kings. Ushering his people into his kingdom. Bringing a new earth and a new heaven. And the beautiful city, Jerusalem, that we're going to study about. And we will see a glorious scene for those who place, who place their trust and their belief in Jesus Christ. He, the Savior, God himself, the host of all heaven, all the people who have loved and lived for the Lord together. All of us will enjoy eternity together. There's such a powerful uh, message that I can't wait to preach to you but it's at the very end. So I have to wait and give you some bad news and some hard news for a while, but we're going to get to some really awesome stuff, okay? And that Sunday, I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, bring your shouting voice because it'll be okay to give glory and shout to the Lord. In the end, our Savior wins. In the end, our God is victorious. Praise the Lord. Brother, you can come on up if you will. I'm getting excited. i got to calm myself down. This is a series that I will be preaching God helping me on the book of Revelation. And as I do, and as you travel uh, through this, I'm asking you to consider this. Will you please do your best to listen to the messages that I preach with the assumption that the book of Revelation is actually the word of God? Will you just go in with that assumption? If later, after you've heard the messages, you choose to say, no, I don't think that's really true. I don't think that's the word of God. I just have to let you do that. And I understand that. No, we're not a cult. We're not trying to force somebody to believe something. I just want to give you the holy information. And I'm asking you, will you just say to yourself, I'm going to go on the assumption that's the word of God that's being preached. That's why I tell you, bring your Bibles. Look in them. Don't just take Pastor Ken's word for it, but will you please look at it? Will you pray that the Lord will speak to you during this series? There's important stuff for us to know and to process through this. Will you ask God to say, God, show me what I need to know. Show me what applies to my life and what I need to take from this. Give me my takeaway, Lord, so that I can honor you. And will you be open to the presence of the Holy Spirit and let him lead? It's my hard hearts that ours is a church not only to reach his people, but that we love God back. And that we take time for God to move on our hearts. And we don't rush through worship services just to hurry up and get done. But that we have enough time in our time together and our time with the Lord to really let him move. I come to church 
And my prayer every time I come into a church service is, God, will you move my heart? Will you speak not just to my intellect, but will you speak to my spirit, oh God? I don't want to just see people, and I love people. If you know me, you know I like you. You know I brag about you. When I was with my family this week, I was just telling them, people were asking me, you know, what's your church like? I said, you have to come to experience them. They're wonderful. Some of them are kooky. Pastor fits right into that group. But I, I love you. And, and that's the absolute truth. I look forward every time I get to see you. But I don't. That's not the end all be all for me by a long shot. I come to have God meet with me. And have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you, will you be willing to just say, Holy Spirit, before you come into the sanctuary or in that five minutes before we start, Holy Spirit, just please, I'm here. I want to meet with you. And, you know, thanks for Pastor Ken, but that's not who I'm here to meet. I want to meet with you, oh God. I want to feel your presence. I want to sense you moving. I want your will to be done in my life. And I want to walk away from this this series with a better understanding and with a heart that's where you want it to be. I'm so glad that the Lord loves us so much. And today, um, one of the other things that uh, our church has been talking about in leadership is that we serve the Lord's Supper. And and, uh, up until this year, when I've been your pastor, it's been about six times a year. And just very quickly, I've had a few people say, why so few? And um, I, I will answer you truthfully. It's because I never, ever want to serve a communion service and have us glibly take the elements of, of communion. I want it to be sacred. I want it to have meaning. I don't want you just running up here, grabbing a piece of bread and dipping it in juice or whatever we do. And just that's all it is. I want us to understand the sacredness of the moment. But in our conversations, we have decided we're going to offer the Lord's Supper every month, every single month, God helping us. We offer the Lord's Supper. So you who are walking in fellowship with God and are in love and harmony with your neighbors, and you who do truly and earnestly repent of your sin and intend to lead a new life, following the commandments of your God and walking from this time in his holy ways, draw near to him, come to this table with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort And meekly bowing, make your humble confession to Almighty God. We have prayed over the elements and asked God to minister to, or to sanctify them and minister through them and make them a means of His grace. I just want to remind you that on the night before He was crucified, Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room. It was the third time, as far as I understand scriptures, that he met with them to eat uh, the Passover meal. The Passover was a meal that God had instituted. It was the first covenant, and it tied very much into the days when the slaves of the Israelites, all of the, all the Israelites were slaves living in the land of Egypt. And because of their cries, God miraculously, powerfully delivered them. Through a series of plagues, he was speaking to Pharaoh and to the hearts of the Egyptians. And then came the last plague, the plague where the death angel would be sent into the land. And God gave specific 
instructions to the inhabitants of Israel so that the death angel wouldn't come to their homes, so that he wouldn't take the firstborn of their animals and their people, the death angel would would have a sign that God had set up. They were to take a lamb, an innocent, flawless lamb, and slaughter the lamb and spread the blood on both sides of the door and the top of the door, making sort of the, the sign of the cross that we are familiar with. And when the, and the word was this, when the angel comes into your camp and he sees the blood, I will pass over you. I will not come. I will not destroy you. You will be blessed because of the blood. I want to remind you today that Jesus ate that meal with his disciples. And at the end of that meal, he changed the paradigm and he introduced to us the new covenant. And so after the supper, Jesus took bread and he uh, blessed it and then he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. And he instructed his disciples to take, and they each had some, and they put it into their mouths. And he said, this is my body that's broken. They had no idea what was going to happen in a couple of hours. And he says, this is, this is what I'm doing for you. My body is broken for you. And then he would lift the chalice with the fruit of the vine in it. And he would say these words, this is the blood, my blood, shed for you. And this is a new covenant in my blood, replacing the Passover. So now, when the Lord sees the blood of Christ applied to the door of our hearts, destruction and the things that we deserved, God passes over that because of the precious blood of the Lamb. Today, I'm going to invite you to come to the table, and here is how we are going to do it. Pastor Michelle will be holding bread for you to come and tear a piece off. She will say something to the effect of the body of the Lord, which was broken for you. You will then step over to me, and you will dip your bread into the cup, and I will say something to the effect of the blood of Christ, which was shed for you. And then you will, in humility... Receive into your body what represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Come with humility. Come with gratitude. Come trusting in the power of the blood to cover your sins and wash them all away. Amen. Come with a mindset of thanksgiving. Isn't God good to us today? Aren't you glad? So what I'm going to do is ask Pastor Michelle to come. I'll hand her bread and... You can break the other pieces when you need to, Pastor Michelle. This bread is gluten-free so that you have a gluten-free option, okay, just in case that's a dietary issue for you. Uh, But we want you to come now. We want to invite you. Come to the table of the Lord and share in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're not able to come, at the end, if you raise your hand, we will come to you, okay? I'll ask for that in a little bit.
Jesus shed for you, Jesus. 
Are there any who would like for us to come to you with the elements? the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Jesus, thank you for the body and the blood. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being worthy. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you, Lord, that you made it possible for us to be prepared for what is ahead. Thank you for the hope that we have of being with you in eternity one day. We'll see our Savior. We'll see the prince on his hands, but we'll see the victory that you bring, Lord, that double-edged sword, that power that you have. And we look so forward to spending eternity with you. We love you. God, may we be found faithful. May we be the people of God. Bless us as we leave this church, Lord, and fill us with a determination to walk in obedience with your word. Bless us in this series to grow and to become more like you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What a privilege it was to have you with us today. I felt like I went to church today a little bit. Thank God for his goodness. You are dismissed.